I think like you punch a guy that you respect. Welcome to episode 28 of Who the Hell is This For? Today we are talking There Will Be Blood by Paul Thomas Anderson. How are you guys doing today? Doing, Excellent. Doing good. Great movie for us to be watching. Yeah. Mm, yeah. What a movie. This one came from a, a listener request. Friend Ryan had reviewed the pod, gave us some some uh, good feedback. High praise for podcast. High praise. Uh, and then suggested that we do There Will Be Blood. So this is a shout out for Ryan. Thanks for reviewing the pod. Uh, I'm happy that we picked this one. I know there are mixed feelings. I'll have to. I will I say I really enjoy this movie. I'll yeah. have to revisit it. I was I was in a bad headspace for it this morning, <laughs> and I was woke up on the wrong. Yeah, I was gonna say bed. Tyler was super grumpy this morning yeah. uh, in the group chat. Note to self: don't calmed down. <laughs> so note to self: don't watch a three-hour movie after going to a wedding the night before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when you're supposed to try and review it two hours from when you start. <laughs> What you need is, like, you need to watch it on, like, one and a half times speed. I know. Like a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's called Paul Fasting. <laughs> with a PTA movie. What have you guys been watching this week? Um, I actually for- remembered some stuff that I had watched before the last pod that I forgot okay. to mention. So, I saw... Have you guys seen American Animals yet? No, I've heard it's so really it's, good. It's on our library that okay. you can watch. That's um, a, like, heist movie, right? It is. It's a weird mix of movie and documentary because they intersperse like dramatic scenes that are with actors with like the real people Mm -hmm. and they talk about it and so it's got a it's got a weird feel to it but it is really good like Um, interstellar sure (laughs) (laughs) um so i saw that and then i saw three billboards outside Ebbing, ebbing missouri yeah um and that was really good. I was very impressed. Like, I, I need know, to. I need to watch three. I knew it ones. had obviously Oscar buzz. I think uh, Sam Rockwell and um, Francis McDormand. Did they both win? Oh, I don't know. I know they were both. I don't know what they won, but they were definitely all over the Oscars. I'm pretty year sure they were in it. I'm pretty sure Francis McDormand won, and this was two years ago. Yeah. Um, and she is amazing. Really? in this movie. She looks a lot like. Um, Tony Collette in this yeah. movie, like I, I think I've they look like, but in this movie she really looks like Tony Collette, and so I Oscar got some, should have stuck with that trend. <laughs> I got some hereditary vibes from her performance of like a grieving mother, basically. Yeah. So I think you should watch. It. I think you would definitely like it. I think everybody okay. would like it. And then I also watched. What else did I watch this week? Um, oh, we've been making our way through Umbrella Academy. How is that on Netflix? It, it's really good. I really like it. It suffers from the same thing that all Netflix superhero shows suffer from, which is that it's too long. Yeah. Like, it's a 10-episode series. Well. <laughs> uh, a theme for today's yes. podcast, right? But Umbrella Academy is definitely worth watching if you made your way through Daredevil or any of the Marvel shows and you could stand the pacing, then you'll be fine with Umbrella Academy. Gotcha. Okay. But it's like, it's a 10-episode series that could be done in six or seven if you would have just condensed some of the exposition, and it would have been way better. Yeah. And I've, I've heard that with Haunting a Hill House, too. It, it feels very much like a Haunting okay. a Hill House. 
I will say, though, I haven't read the original Umbrella Academy comics, but they're written by the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. No so way. Really, yeah, really? Gerard Way. No way. That's yeah. awesome. I did not know that. Yeah, so I would love to give that a read. The comics exist in the Umbrella universe. Really? Um, at least in the show. Um, they reference, like, comic books, and you see comic books all the time. Okay, very cool. But at Comic-Con, I saw a couple Umbrella Academy costumes. Yeah. Yep. I didn't catch that. That might have been when I went with Catherine. Oh. Uh, what have you been watching, Riley? Let's see. Hot Tub Time Machine? Hell yeah. Uh, Back to the Future? Did not purposely watch two time traveling movies. Time travel double feature? Yeah. And then, let's see. I started this morning the uh, Trailer Park Boys animated series that they, they started. An animated they series? They just came out with an animated oh, series. God. And the premise or the first episode, is that they took a bunch of shrooms, and now they're all animated. <laughs> and it's pretty good so far, so we'll see how it goes. Um, and then, also, a big win for me is that I have the whole podcast watching MotoGP right now on the TV. <laughs> so that's the big highlight. I'm cheering for the guy in the green. Uh, for, oh. Bender. Slytherin! <laughs> Welcome to our new podcast where we just watch MotoGP and make comments on it. Oh, did that guy win? Yeah. All right. There's only 21 laps? Yeah. Oh. It's a quick watch. It's oh. not like NASCAR, guys. Oh. <laughs> Actually, probably last, would watch 21 yeah, laps. I, I would watch they 21 laps of MotoGP. Each race is about an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I understand it more. Anyways, uh, did you guys want to say anything about Comic-Con since you went? Yeah. It was um, really good. It was really good. All right. <laughs> they had a uh, they had an original Big Trouble in Little China yeah. poster for $250. <laughs> very, very tempting. Almost walked away with that one. Well, I so I didn't even realize it. And Catherine had to point it out to me as we we're walking up to it. She's like, oh, you got you got three opes right in a row. Just oh, oh, oh. And it was the Big Trouble in Little China poster, mm-hmm. an Aliens original poster, and a Jaws original poster. <laughs> And they were 250, 250, and 80. All right, have well, Jaws. I was going to say, what's yeah, different good. about the Jaws one you have now? That, I, that's a repro. Oh. I mean... Well, but, that, that one's white in the background. The oh. One that, oh, that okay. The thing. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. But my f- master framing skills took the wrinkles out of that from being full. That looks really good. Yeah. I was going to say, there's no way that you put that in there. No, sure. no, I did not. <laughs> I did all of that it. Is, that is a prod catheter. Like that original. one, yeah. Well, so with Comic-Con, there was, when Tyler and I went yesterday, we were hunting comics. Uh, the Secret Wars. Yes. With the black Spider-Man suit. I might be going to pick that $65 <laughs> it's still one there, today. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Spider-Man number 300, which has in all the, the numbers over it. So those were like our two, do we buy it? Yeah. Do we make this dumb of a purchase? Yeah. <laughs> Catherine, was there anything when you went on Friday that you were like holding back, not buying? There was one lady, I think, and she did hand, was it hand drawings? The pencil drawings? Yeah. And it was, she had a bunch of like Disney stuff and there was a really Oh, cool no, one. no, no. The print one. Yeah. Yeah. There was a really cool um, up print. Mm-hmm. It was like a little house and then... The whole page was filled with like super colorful balloons. Oh, that's cool! And, it was like, the really color cool. Color on it was really cool. I think I'm gonna have Tyler pick me up the this, the DBZ the one. Dragon Ball Z print we saw yesterday. It was really cool. It it's like an outline of Goku, and then in in that outline is like all the characters from the original Dragon Ball, and it 
as it goes up, it moves through the series oh. up into the new ones. All these little cartoon characters. Interesting. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, also, we watched Twister, which yeah. and that was bra- basically my first experience with Twister. We didn't just watch Twister. We went to the Twister movie party. That's true. We went to the Twister movie party where we were given balloon white balloons to blow up and throw around like they were hail. Oh, and okay. Was, and they had cows on the like ledge or whatever. Yeah, they had inflatable cows. He didn't understand cows. why there was cows. I knew why there were cows. Then, I was I was familiar with that yeah, in pop culture. That yeah. And so we all started throwing cows around. Oh my gosh. <laughs> was there anything else you guys watched? No. Couple, a couple of horror movies. I watched The Canal, which is one of the m- most depressing movies I've ever seen. Oh gosh. That's, about, a, that's a high bar, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. That is, Tyler has seen some shit. Yeah, and it is. <laughs> well, so it starts, I watched it because they reviewed it on A to Z Horror. And I was like, oh, this is probably pretty good. They advertise it as a found footage movie, and they find exactly zero footage in this movie. <laughs> oh. And it is it is all an actual movie. A guy thinks his wife might be cheating on him, and then he finds out she is because he follows her, and you just, like, watch this guy watch his wife cheat on him, which is horribly depressing. And then uh, she dies, and <laughs> <laughs> there are wow. ghosts involved. And it's just, it's sad. It's a very sad movie. A lot of adult fears in addition to ghosts. And it's just like, no thanks. So it turns out the found footage was the friends we made along the way. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Um, let's get into a plot summary for There Will Be Blood. Okay. So uh, the plot summary from IMDb is a story of family, religion, hatred, oil, and madness focusing on a turn-of-the-century prospector in the early days of the business. So, let's see who hated this movie. It's some rotten <laughs> reviews from Catherine. The movie makes absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and it takes almost three hours in which not to make any fucking sense. And is very loud and chesty about it. <laughs> what site is this for? That's how people describe me, loud and chesty. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what review site was this? The Exile. Oh, yeah, I've never heard of The Exile. Yeah. I was going to say, I was expecting that to be like New York Times. Just, <laughs> this is a fucking movie. <laughs> if you want to be a movie snob this year, this is the one to say you've enjoyed. If you want to be entertained, this is the movie to avoid. Ah, ah. They even rhymed a little Wordplay. <laughs> that guy was really going... That, that was the review that got him, like, the little... Official, yeah, yeah, the check mark. Daniel Day Lewis does an oil maniac and this emotionally drenched, gut slicing, and grueling bipolar gore in what is surely the most grotesque what? screen image ever of a warped male maternal instinct. I can think. There I think was... it's emotional gore. Okay, okay. I was like... like three instances of gore. Yeah, two of them they don't even really focus on that much. I liked those a lot though. Yeah, I actually the really enjoyed this. Yeah. yeah, the first one's the best one. Yeah. The beam? Yeah, where yeah. it takes his head off, yeah. Because you get, if you look closely, there's just like that little bit of spray. Uh huh. It's like the black wall. I don't know. I It'll be interesting to see how we, uh, how we like land Tyler. with these. Oh, yeah, let's hear the review that sounds An like me then. An excruciatingly long, one note film filled with sickening and senseless violence about a like misanthropic <laughs> oil man and an ego filled minister. 
the first part. Sounds the first part sounds like me. I will say it's not one note. It's just very, very long, and it. Uh. Here we can probably pull up some of Tyler's review on just the group chat. <laughs> Um, let's see here. Yeah, let's read these off. Uh, it starts with, fuck this movie. (laughs) (laughs) With Jeff, Jeff responded, because of the length, or just don't like it. Tyler responds with, the fucking length. You don't need single shots dragged out into five minute goddamn scenes for the sake of quote unquote art, which doubles your fucking (laughs) runtime. Yeah, I, I was not having a good time with this. But I know you guys did, so let's get into what did we like about this movie. Jeff, go ahead. Okay. So this movie is an absolute testament to what Daniel Day-Lewis can do. That's fair. Absolutely. Right? That's so this, fair. this if, if you're like, uh, so who's Daniel Day-Lewis? Like, what should I watch if I want to get to know him? Like, this is the first movie you should watch if you're trying to see what Daniel Day-Lewis can do. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, there are other movies that he's been in that he's been really good in. Uh, obviously, Has Daniel Day-Lewis ever been in a movie under or even at 90 minutes? Dance with Wolves is really long, right? Yeah. Phantom Thread is not as long. Yeah. Uh, Gangs of New York, Gangs of New York it might be really longer long. than this one. He's a serious Crucible? Man. Ooh. What's I, the runtime on Crucible? I don't I know. How many class periods did we watch that I don't know. in high school? <laughs> it's a long one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, good question. I don't, I don't know. But he's, uh, he's a... I don't know if he's been in like stage plays, but like he performs. I feel in, like I, he yeah. He performs he in movies like he's doing a stage play. Yes, like very much so. Like he's speaking to a wide audience. Acting, right? He's projecting, even though the mic's right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, what I think this movie does really well is it gives him a framing to be his absolute insane self mm-hmm. and dive into this movie. Well, because he gets so locked into the character, right? I think it's it's insane that he is more reserved in Gangs of New York than he is in this movie. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen Gangs of New York, you've seen a lot of what he can do, mm-hmm. and it's not a, it's a not a dissimilar character, right? Like yeah. they both have kind of the same accent, uh, although one of them's got more of the like New York Bostonish mm-hmm. thing to it, but it's still that very like arch, like. Mm-hmm. Style of speaking and stuff like that. Two great mustaches. Incredible mustaches. Is it him or Gary Oldman that has said they no longer remember or speak in their original accent? I don't I think it's Daniel Day-Lewis. Isn't he officially retired also? Is he? I think he is. Yeah. I want to say one at Lincoln or whatever was his last one. I think Phantom Thread was his last one. Yeah. Um, I forgot he was Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> Dude takes his facial hair very seriously. Yeah. I do like that movie a lot. Yeah. When they bring in the vampires, it's really good. <laughs> good lord. <laughs> um, something else I think this movie does really well, um, which is part of what people don't like about it, is that it's this movie builds tension very well. And it builds tension through the length mm-hmm. of, of which it's talking about something. Which is something that, like, Tarantino does, and it's something that, um, now I'm forgetting his name. I'll think about it later. Um, it's something that a lot of directors do is, you're watching the movie and the movie's too long, right? It's Mm -hmm. definitely something that this movie doesn't do well. But the parts where it extends it out and in the scenes it builds tension in such a great way that you're like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Especially through, like, the one-on-one dialogues. Yes. Between characters. Right. Um, I will disagree on that. 
But that's because I think, like, it, he, in this movie, I know Paul Thomas Anderson can do it, but in this movie, he doesn't show good discrimination between, let me draw out this scene for tension, and let me draw out this scene just to do it. Because there's so much, there's so much that there is, there are scenes where there is nothing happening that are also drawn out, which then go, Mm -hmm. go ahead and break the tension. At least for me. That's why for the first... That's like, fair. Or the middle third of this movie, I couldn't uh, get into it. I think that's fair. Do you think that there's... And maybe I'm saying that uh, because he employs that style so often, in those scenes where it is long and drawn out, even if nothing's happening, you feel like there might be something at the end? So yeah. even if the scene doesn't have tension, you have... Yeah, you're, you're, definitely, you're, thinking, have... you're definitely thinking, why are they focusing... Mm-hmm. Right. this particular but, I, but then I there was a no lack payoff. of yeah there was a lack of payoff in a lot of those in this one and I was yeah, like I, that's for sure it made me less interested in the ones where there was payoff too like because you were expecting to be I right also down. I also texted you guys like the scene where like HW loses his hearing like mm-hmm. should be a really really good scene but I've by that point I've already gone through so many of these things dragged out so him trying to figure out if the boy is deaf or not. I was just like, Jesus Christ, we get it. He's deaf. Move on. Like, yeah. Yeah. I understand that. What, uh, what did you like with this movie? Riley? Well, the first up for me is the cinematography. Yeah. I blew this movie out of the water. It was awesome. Um, Robert Elswit was the cinematographer for this, uh, won the Oscar that year for cinematography. Um, I really enjoyed something I noticed throughout the movie was he would keep, the subject of each scene centered in each shot, whether it's the burning oil rig or it's the two characters interacting, they're all centered. Not in a not in a quirky Wes Anderson style, uh-huh. but just this is what's happening in the scene. Don't worry about anything else. Right. Let's see what else do I have on this. A lot of the work in this movie is done by the characters' faces in reaction to what's yeah. going on. You very rarely yeah. are focused on What's actually happening, and you're very much focused on how do they feel about what's happening. Um, I liked that they chose to have, you know, like, the bigger, more important scenes of this movie were all one shot, like one continuous shot, Mm -hmm. um, instead of a bunch of, you know, jump cuts a la Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) (laughs) It probably speaks to the actor's skill, too, Yeah, Because it's hard to do that. Well, you know, we talked about Daniel Day-Lewis being, doing plays. I think that probably comes out a lot that he memorizes his whole lines or improvises so it's mm-hmm. all he has a five minute monologue yeah. that's all one take it's a, yeah kind of a fun fact about the cinematography um robert elswit chose to shoot this all on film okay. instead of digitally because oh. he liked the graininess of it and i thought that turned out really well mm-hmm. yeah no it, that's definitely something to this movie's benefit mm-hmm. also i enjoyed the sound editing um i liked the <laughs> I like okay, it. editing, yes. Mixing, no. Really? Oh, yeah. I enjoyed that they didn't really rely on a score a lot. There's not too many instances of score where, where they just go, like, just the raw sound of what's happening in the scene. Like, an example would be, like, the first seven minutes of the movie where he's just in the mine mm-hmm. and there's just, like, no dialogue. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, so for me, that that whole thing, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but I might, like, I'm at a weird age where I'm 
almost 27 and starting to already have major hearing issues. <laughs> and so I have to, when, when there was speech happening, I had to turn the volume way, way, way up. And then either music or some are you extraneous sure that, noise would happen. Are you and sure that wasn't a TV issue? It could be a TV because issue, but I, I almost like blew the fuck out of my speakers and we like, we couldn't hear huh. when it was way down. Mm-hmm. And then it completely washed everything else out when there was a loud sound. Did you sound. have problems with that? I didn't. And I actually almost always use subtitles, but I didn't have. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't have any problem with it either. That, okay. See, like, because we had it at the normal volume we watched like anything else at and we couldn't hear them talk. That's and why. Then, Interesting. Yeah. And so then we would turn it up and then like it would switch to music and it would. Yeah. yeah and it would be blaring. Out of the <laughs> yeah. That would... Interesting. I had the opposite. Really? I, yeah. I could, I watched I it think on that's, a fairly low volume and had no trouble. That's a big part of why I didn't really enjoy watching it. Like, because yeah. I, even with subtitles on, it was hard to even know what was going on because then I couldn't tell who was saying what. Yeah. I do, I do think it's funny that you're getting older because I have to, I do use subtitles for almost oh, everything yeah. now. Because especially if it's a movie that does have a lot of dialogue, I don't want to miss stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my attention span is not what it used to be. <laughs> and so sometimes, it, like, even if I'm looking at somebody and they're talking, like, I yeah. kind of need the subtitles to know what they're it's saying. Like trying to yeah. watch, it's like trying to watch The Witch without subtitles. That's See, and that's really interesting because I really enjoy The Witch. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because it's not a volume, like, inconsistency issue with The Witch. It's just that they're speaking, like, 1600s old English. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. And the dude is just like, just nonsense, Hard basically. Irish, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think that might have come down to a TV issue for you that guys. That potentially could. Like. This is a movie I'm going to want to revisit, because to touch on the stuff I really enjoyed, Daniel Day-Lewis's performance was great. Cinematography was great. The world they build, I typically like when I can go on an adventure like that and just like let this world breathe. Mm-hmm. It didn't quite work for me, but I could see myself mm-hmm. being won over by it. And then the final 40 minutes of the movie from when from when Daniel is baptized and like he does the whole I've abandoned my child thing. Yeah. That to the end of the movie is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I really really enjoyed all of that. Mm-hmm. But Everything leading up to that, I just, I struggled to get through. I was saying, I, I will agree with you because I think I had said in the group chat, the first hour of this movie <laughs> feels like homework for the next half of the, like the next two hours. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like it's, it all seems like it's establishing character, setting, story, mm-hmm. motivations, etc. for then you to be entertained by the second half. So I do think that there's, I think it's a slow start if you... I'll say this, if this movie comes on cable, or if you've not seen this movie before, and you don't necessarily have half to finish it, or half a reason to finish it, mm-hmm. I could see this being a movie that a lot of people put away, or pause and watch something else, because they're just like, I think it's the same way with like, 2001, mm-hmm. right? Unless you know anything about 2001, like what you're going to watch, yeah. or what you're going to get, that first sequence, you're like, what is happening in this movie? <laughs> I don't have time for this. I'm going to watch something else that I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy. Yeah. And so I think this movie definitely suffers from that. You have to you have to have committed to seeing this movie to get through that, to get to the good parts. Yeah, that's that's for sure. That's kind of a in-between what this movie does right and what it does wrong. Right. 
Um, Catherine, before we move on, do you have anything that you liked about this movie? Not particularly. Not particularly? I think, like, if I would have sat down and watched it, I would have liked it. I think we were rushed. I probably rushed. would have been in and out of it, yeah. but... Between us, like, trying to rush to make it happen, and then the issues with being able to hear it, <laughs> we just were... Just not a good viewing We were experience. set up poorly. Yeah. So, that's one I'll have to, I'll have to revisit. What didn't we like about this movie? I have something I have to ask you guys about, is because it, it's I think we're on the fence about it. Okay, Paul Dano's performance as Eli slash Paul, a good thing about this movie or a bad thing about this movie? I think a good thing. Okay, I think it's good. I think his performance and him being so like greasy and weaselly is what makes the end work. Greasy. <laughs> I wish they would have given him. A little bit more power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe they, they didn't show his rise nearly well Yeah, enough. I would have liked to see more power, his, like, power over the people in, like, the town. Like right. Little Boston. Because you can tell it's there, right? Mm-hmm. They allude to it a lot. But there's not really one scene where he, like, kind of talks people into doing something. Like, he doesn't talk them against being against the well. He doesn't talk mm-hmm. them into being anything other than just, like, giving him attention and power. Right. And so I, th- I thought he has he has an ego in this movie, which was alluded to in the Rotten Reviews, but you don't necessarily see him have power, but you can tell he has it. And I, yeah. I wish they would have explored that more. I do I do like how they did address it, though. Like, like you said, you can tell he has power, and that's reflected in his character, even though we don't see it. The scene, the very end scene, when he, like, comes and wakes up Daniel, who's, like, passed out in the bowling alley... He thinks he's totally, like, he's high man on the total pole. Like, he's he's here in control of this situation, and then Daniel just wrecks his world. I think think it's good. Mm -hmm. I think the... And I think Paul Dano is good for the direction they took it. I would be interested to see this exact same movie with a competitor to Daniel Day-Lewis. Like, in either a tonal or power element you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah like because you could do a lot with this movie where it's two titans battling against each other but the way they've portrayed it is this powerful person who has this annoying gnat who thinks he's important and the powerful person destroys him mm-hmm. so i'm not saying it's a bad choice it's obviously something they chose for this movie but i would be interested to see a movie where it's not that i right. i would like to see that take on this whole story i think what what we should get though i want a movie that is the two titans battling it out, but it is them making there will be blood and them making no country for all <laughs> like right by each other. And we have just an over dramatized version of this like fight to get these movies made. <laughs> yeah, we should say so. This movie uh, came out in 2008, uh, it was up for the 2008 Oscar for Best Picture at the same time as No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men and this movie were both filmed at least portions of it, in Martha in North Texas. And there's actually a piece of trivia on IMDb that says when they were doing the oil, der- the oil derrick fire and they were checking out the pyrotechnics, they started this huge fire that like billowed a huge thing of smoke that actually took over part of the shot from the Coen brothers. No, there will, or, uh, no country for There old will men. be no old men. <laughs> <laughs> These actually live in the same canonical universe. <laughs> And so there was some... The deaf son is actually Anton Cheeger. Really, the the character who plays Fletcher, like his right-hand man, Mm -hmm. looks a lot like um, 
Josh Brolin. No. No. Thanos. No. Ant-Man. Come on, guys. <laughs> What's Harvey his name? Thank you. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, they look similar, so. <laughs> All right, so what, what did you really not like about this movie? I, there were directorial choices that were made. So, taking away the potential technical issues uh, that really hampered my enjoyment... The one thing that I really, really just didn't like about this movie is, I alluded to it earlier, you have so many mundane scenes that are dragged out for the sake of just letting them breathe, and they that seriously like adds a good 40 minutes of runtime to this movie, and this, this could have been two hours and still been as full and deep of an experience as they wanted it to be, mm-hmm. but then you feel that like first middle third like that right in the meat where you should be getting things going Mm -hmm. so much of that is just the same shot with the same noise and this this all is just repeating and it's not building on itself it's just existing there you know what this movie reminds me a lot of so did you guys ever go back and watch roma no Um, i haven't this movie reminds me a lot of the style of Roma. Okay. Not not the tension or anything like that, but so much of Roma is less a movie and or story and more a, a picture into the life of a character. And that's what a lot of those felt like. Mm-hmm. Like when, when his son comes back and he's like walking along the pipeline to meet them and you can see the far off hug and then they like walk over and he like is holding him and gives him a kiss mm-hmm. and then the kid like starts hitting him and stuff. Like that's all you could have cut the walking mm-hmm. in both of those things, right? But it's like that they made a cinematography choice to have it exist in the moment to or make the it, life yeah. of the character. And I and you could do it without it. I appreciate it, the choice, but, it's a, it's a but I style. didn't enjoy it, right? Because I do like that on occasion, but it you have to strike the balance of also being relevant and important to mm-hmm. the plot, narrative, and tension. Whereas this. It was a hindrance to all three of those. There's too many of those scenes. Yeah. Well, and to go off of what you're saying with the middle third of the movie, one thing I really didn't enjoy about this movie is the whole brother aspect of the yeah. story. It yeah. really, I mean, the whole story arc of the brother from beginning to end didn't do anything for the story. Yeah, I um, would agree. Other than, well, I guess old man Bandy or whatever his name is saw that he killed him. Or, but other than that, they I mean, they allude to that. Do they? You know, yeah, I never he hands him the gun. Yeah, I mean, I never understood how that would have happened. Yeah, I, don't I don't either. Know. But, but yeah. So like the whole brother aspect of this story. Yeah. Just. I mean, that's thirty minutes right there. there. You there could have rewritten it and not have it in there. It yeah. I read something about it, but there was something weird with that choice. And it was it was a very distinct and purposeful choice to do it like that, and I can't remember what it was. Um, Good radio, yeah, great radio. <laughs> I'm just I'm sort sort of just alluding to like you know we don't like it, and uh, you know the things I don't like, things Riley don't like. All of those things were done on purpose. They right. weren't just bad filmmaking. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, so we have a couple time jumps. Um, that are probably two or three years in the beginning. And then it goes from that to like 20. Mm -hmm. What did you get? I wasn't a huge fan of that big of a jump just because I didn't think it really did that much for the story. 
but what do you guys think? Were you a fan? It seems to do two things. It seems to uh, serve the purpose of the son marrying into the Sunday mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. which then is supposed to bring like the mortal enemies of the preacher and, and Daniel closer together. Um, but they, there really wasn't enough of that to make... Like, they didn't focus on the fact that he's, like, now part of the family. They're now, like, brother-in-laws right. or yeah. whatever. Like, there's... They allude to it again, but they don't focus on it, which means... Well, it took me a minute to realize that happened because he kept referring to him, Daniel, my brother by marriage. And I'm like, what? what? Well, because originally, yeah, you referred to him as brother just from the church. Yeah. And now he's like, well, now we really are brothers. Which I didn't... is not how that works, but... <laughs> <laughs> it didn't seem... It didn't seem as important a choice to me as the movie tried to make it. You know what I mean? Um, I think the idea of him like wanting to go off on his own and be a competitor could have been done with any wife he picked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, not that it's it takes anything away, but it, I, I don't think it adds as much as it's mm-hmm. intended to add. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that, else? That's all. That's pretty much all I've got. Because the more we talk about it, the more okay I am with this movie. At the time, I was not having... I'm straight up not having a good time, bro. <laughs> you know, this pod makes me feel a lot like the very first pod we ever did on Mother. Yeah. Where I hated Mother when I was watching it. And then I rewatched it, and I still didn't really like it. But it's super fun to talk about. Yeah. And that's how I feel... Especially with people eating the baby. Right. Yeah, well, that's okay. true. Like, I feel Maybe like I that's go- what this movie needed. <laughs> I feel like I could go watch Mother now and probably like it. Yeah. And so I feel like maybe you, after another rewatch, might feel different about this movie. Yeah, and I mean, I if I figure out the technical issues, too, that might have a whole <laughs> lot to do with it. Right. You mentioned Mother, and you mentioned you joked this could use eating a baby. I think that if there were horror elements here, this is something that was done really effectively <laughs> in this movie. The way score was used and the mm-hmm. way some of the tension was built and things were focused on were very similar of a lot of hallmarks of current horror, especially like the art house type horror, like the witch, uh, like hereditary. So I think, I think it would be really interesting to see this movie with horror elements in it. Cause it would it just be really taken like a, uh, like a bone tomahawk. Yeah. Turn. Or even you could, you could do so much with Daniel's like descent into madness yeah. and the person that he becomes because they, they do a lot of that in that final scene. That final scene would not be out of place in a horror movie at all. A lot right? of, uh, it's probably all those oil fumes. Because <laughs> that's one thing I noticed. Uh, old-timey oil wells just had guys standing chest deep in oil. Yeah. yeah. And they, I like, they're like, oh, well, better pull my bandana yeah. up. <laughs> better, better look up and get some fresh air. Yeah, OSHA's having a field day hey, with this movie. What's wrong with that canary over there? <laughs> You, know, you could even have some oil monsters come up from the rig. <laughs> this movie is just the descent, but in an oil rig. Yeah. Oh my god. That actually, I, would be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a lot shorter because that's a, a very straight up and down shaft. Yeah. <laughs> descent. <laughs> All right, I'm down. Ah, Bring me ah. back up. <laughs> oh no, I'm stuck. Yeah, and like a. And they're five just calling back and forth yeah, down. Just to like a five by five hole. <laughs> oh, there's a monster down here. Better not go back down. <laughs> uh, gotta crawl back up the ladder. Yeah, this ends with them crawling up the ladder and then just boarding over the hole. They're um, like, well, we're not going back down there. <laughs> a nitpick I noticed. When they are... When the oil well catches fire, when they first strike it, 
you know, a way to get to get rid of the oil fires. They use explosives. Mm-hmm. Um, they used. That's what I do in my kitchen when there's an oil fire. <laughs> the amount of dynamite. <laughs> my kitchen. Okay, yeah. so the amount of dynamite they used for the size of the explosion did not match. I would agree. They filled two like oil drums of dynamite, <laughs> yeah. and then there's just a small like. Maybe grenade size <laughs> explosion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen tremors too. I know what can happen with that much dynamite. Yeah, in a Michael Bay movie that blows up a town. <laughs> <laughs> That's predator yeah. nuclear size. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> covered in oil. Just <laughs> 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 Oh man. Alright. Alright, so All right. standout yeah. scenes. This was really tough because there's there's two there's two for me. Okay, go ahead. Well, so there's two obvious ones in this movie. It's the Eli and Daniel scenes. Yeah, the bowling alley, bowling alley, and in the church. Yep. The in the church is very good too. I was really tough for me, but I think I'm going with the baptism. Okay. Church scene as my standout. Um, One, it shows Eli's there to. He's not just going to give up power to the town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his way of getting back from getting his ass beat in the right. oil and yeah. blood. Um, and, ah! he's, and he's sitting there publicly making Daniel declare that he abandoned his son. Yeah. And you get the vibe that it's more of just, embarrassing it's him. It's making him look like a fool. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. But then on the flip side of that, it also shows you how far Daniel goes to for his oil. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he... Bandy's like, I want you to baptize yourself to get this land. Right. And he's like, how about $10,000? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then right after the, the sort of end of Eli beating him up, he's like, I have a pipeline. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's like, I did it. Yeah, because you can like yeah. tell he whispers something to him and yeah. Eli's like, oh shit. Yeah. I've just been tricked. Yeah. So that's <laughs> mine. I'm... I can guess what your guys' was. So, the the last scene yeah, is incredibly intense. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to let you talk about that if you want to. My underrated scene, I'm going to say, because mm-hmm. it, you have to pick one of those two. I mm-hmm. think that's, it's hard to pick any of those. My underrated scene is just after he sent his son on the train, and he's meeting with Standard mm-hmm. Oil in the restaurant, and they're making him an offer. They make him an offer for one well for $100,000, and he's like, done. And so he he is probably at the time where he could just cash in and he probably would have said yes. And the guy's like, well, you can take this money and spend time with your son, like be a father to your son. And the guy saying it has no idea, obviously, that he's just abandoned his son or that right. he sent him off to the city. And so Daniel is incredibly sensitive about it still and essentially decides that he's going to turn down a million dollars as a fuck you move because this guy personally offended him like that's like the that shows you the depth of his ego and megalomania is that he to he will over a grudge turn down a million dollars just to fuck with that guy and he also says like i'm gonna come into your house at night and slit your throat and it's this actually funny break in the movie where you see the guy be like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry if I've offended you. And you kind of come out of the movie a little bit and you realize that 
that his character, Daniel's character, is so incredibly serious and intense, and everybody else around him is, like, a couple levels less <laughs> intense. And you really see it in that scene where that guy's, like, a pretty normal guy trying to be a pretty normal businessman and being like, hey, man, like, I, if I offended you, I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to buy your land. And he's like, I'm not going to... But that's also why he was so successful. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I just, I think that that is, outside of the two scenes we talked about, an absolute microcosm of his character mm-hmm. turning down a million dollars over a personal slight. Mm-hmm. And then... Gotta talk about it. The final scene in the bowling alley is my standout scene, and I will say I do love the scene where he's talking to his son. Yeah, with I was gonna say that's an honorable that's a mention. Very, very fantastic scene. But you can't talk about this movie without talking about that final bowling alley scene because Daniel Day Lewis is like completely unhinged by that point, mm-hmm. and the physicality in his performance in that scene is amazing. Like. There's there's so much going on with his body and the voice. Like it you could be given that monologue like by somebody that's just there standing, mm-hmm. like looking very powerful and intimidating, but he's just he, the words would be enough to make exactly. else intimidating. But he's hunched over, he's up, he's down, he's like skittering around the bowling alley and then just starts heaving bowling balls and the pins at him. It's it's such a well-crafted scene and just shows how far gone this guy is. Like well, he's incredibly successful, yeah. but he's also fucking batshit insane at this point. And a drunk. And yeah. a drunk. Um, one and thing he I'll houses like, like a leader of vodka. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> one thing I, that you kind of notice, it's just really subtle, is you know he breaks his leg in the beginning. Um, and then you see as he gets older, it, gets his worse. limp becomes worse and worse mm-hmm. to where he... Well, one, he should just stop sleeping on the ground. Yeah. That's not helping. <laughs> yeah. And he passes sleeping out Sleeping across, like, a, not an uneven boat. wooden yeah. surface. Yeah. No wonder why his leg just does not work when he tries <laughs> to get up. Yeah. But I thought that was kind of a cool thing that they paid, you know, just a attention to detail. Mm-hmm. I think you bring up some really good points in that. Uh, we talked at the beginning about the performance of Daniel Lewis and stuff like that and the, the mannerisms he uses... I really feel like in in almost anybody else's hands, this character is cartoonish. Yeah. Like, if, if anybody else tries to take this seriously and do, like, the weird, like, bow-legged walk at the end uh-huh. where he's mm-hmm. firing, like, I just feel like if you had, uh, like, Tom Cruise try to do that, like, I don't know why I picked Tom Cruise. Because you um, love Tom Cruise. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we love Tom Cruise on the podcast. Tom right. Cruise, come on the pod. Like, uh, don't indoctrinate us, so please. Not, not many people or can do, do that. <laughs> Not many people can do that. Like, I think there's probably a handful of people who can do it that serious and that driven and have it not come across as super mm-hmm. lame. Well, think like, I think that's something that is just across the board for Daniel Day-Lewis, who he takes these roles that should be outrageous and extreme and wouldn't be convincing by anybody else because you've got... Bill the Butcher, Daniel Plainview, Abraham Lincoln, none of those would be real people. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you get so serious and it's like three or four lines in a row, I'd know it's a setup for a joke. <laughs> the point stands, though. I, I actually do think that. I just yeah. had to toss the Abe Lincoln joke in there. Isn't Daniel isn't Day-Lewis pretty famous for doing method acting? Like, he stays in yes. character. Wasn't and notably where, a huge asshole because of it. Right. Because he was in uh, My Left Foot, yeah. right? Where he plays the couple that can only move his left foot. Mm-hmm. And he made people like 
come get himself in the wheelchair so he could stay in character. <laughs> yes. Which is a like God, a hilarious flex. Guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> the director's like, do it. Get him a Pepsi. Some, get him a- <laughs> some guy that was interning for that movie just has this huge grudge against Daniel oh, Day-Lewis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to read the memoirs of the people who have worked with Daniel Day-Lewis. Like, yeah, like the stage, the crew hands. Yeah. Yeah, I hear it's just like, it has to be impossible to work with him. Yeah. <laughs> like throws a fit that the bathroom's not handicapped accessible. Like, yeah. can you can you imagine working with him on the set of this movie if he's that level of method acting? Like you pull out your cell phone. <laughs> yeah. What devilry and just smashes it. <laughs> he actually slept on the floor, <laughs> offset too. Yeah. And drank. <laughs> that was real vodka. Yeah, that was real vodka constantly. <laughs> Did you talk about it, or did we talk about it off mic? No, so I don't know if Daniel Lewis is, is part of it. I assume so. But Paul Thomas Anderson and the crew, every He was Wednesday, probably doing it every day. Right. And they're like, we can't do that. We have to do just Wednesday. Every Wednesday night of editing this movie, Paul Thomas Anderson and the crew would drink vodka and have steaks. Just that, in order to stay in character for Daniel Plainville. So, um, I mean, incredible method acting by everyone involved. <laughs> Uh, doesn't sound that bad. I think I could do that. I'm surprised it was vodka and steak, though, because I think he's drinking whiskey. That would be a really, like, kind of gross combo. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if those, those pair well. You guys no. got dinner plans? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I'm eating mine hunched over, yelling a lot. <laughs> with my hands yeah, as well. with my hands. <laughs> just kind of chew, just smacking on it. The real way to do this is to do day-old's... Day old steak with vodka in a bowling alley, like just with your hands. That's the way to do and it. And you've left the bullet or you've left the steak out this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Aged. It's been aged. Aged. Let Dry down, aged in a bowling alley. Let down scenes. Uh, mine was the uh, when the brother first showed up. Yeah. It's a good like five minute scene of bad exposition. On uh, the brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's. It just kills any momentum in the movie that there was. I'm from Fond du Lac. You're like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. I'm your brother from another mother, and it's yeah, that's a is that a thing people said back in the early 1900s? I'm your brother from another mother. I don't know. It just goes back to the whole brother arc of this movie. Yeah, Yeah. dumb, unnecessary. Oh, Spike died. That's not good. It's going to be hard to win. Yeah. Can't win if your bike doesn't go. I would agree. I think that's my letdown scene, too. I I don't think the brother had any place in this movie. Yeah. I will say my my letdown scene, I alluded to it earlier, is the wrestling match slap fight in the mud (laughs) and oil. Because... Daniel Day Lewis is just like lightly slapping him he's, in the he's, face. He's it's just because he doesn't mud. He yeah, just doesn't still, take him seriously. Yeah, he just he. So he's doing that, right? That's not my point. It's then Eli's reaction to it, just oh no, Daniel. <laughs> so that's like it's showing he's a whip, right. It's right? just it's like, so. Well, I didn't enjoy watching. I think it. he treats him real rough at the beginning of the fight, and he's calling out like it's a real rough fight, and mm-hmm. then he like I think. Daniel, like, over time is like, this is not even, like, a battle. Yeah. Like, I'm just toying with you, <laughs> and you're still reacting like this, and that's how I think he just is, like, lightly that's, slapping him. That's fair. That's him. fair. I just, like, God, I was like, this is dumb. Because when he first comes up and he's like, where's my money? It is a hard slap to knock him to the ground. Yeah. Also, slapping seems to be much more prevalent in it's, old it's time. It's a lot more disrespectful, <laughs> yeah. I think. Like, I think, like, you punch a guy that you respect. Yeah, like... <laughs> 
Like, are he there... just doesn't respect him, so he just slaps him. I just feel like in old-timey movies, slapping happens much more often. Like, they actually there's... didn't invent the punch until 1941. <laughs> like, Upgrade is a different movie with slapping in it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was a very tactical slap. <laughs> ah! Stop! <laughs> Slapping me! <laughs> I, I actually think that's basically Ip Man. Dom <laughs> Hall Gleason? Dom, yeah. Is it Dom Nell? Yeah. Alright. Mine was uh, Adult HW. Yeah. Yeah. Give me more of that for yeah, sure. I, I would have liked to see more dynamic between him and his dad. I would have liked to see a, that be a stronger plotline through more of the movie. Right. Cut out some of that extraneous stuff that I was talking about and then earlier. Make that jump. Build this. Down yeah. The road, yeah. I would like have that be part of the reason cuz like, you know, Daniel says he doesn't care and doesn't give a shit about him. I would have liked to see between that scene and when Eli shows up there to be just some elements of him watching or having competition with uh, HW mm-hmm. that further drives him insane. Like, I think that would have been great. Yeah, because I kind of got the vibe, you kind of get the vibe from that meeting that HW is going to be successful in Mexico, and that's mm-hmm. part of why his dad's so offended. Yeah. Yeah. Because <clears throat> it's a kid that's grown up in the oil industry his entire life, so it's time for him to shine. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't know who needs to be in this movie more. I still think as powerful as his role was, I think Paul Dano, I would have loved to have him, like the preacher, I would have loved to have him in the movie more. Because um, he's pretty not present, like in between the baptism and the final scene, mm-hmm. right? Like he's just not really part of it. And I don't know what else I would have Yeah, he goes on his do. mission trip. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know what I would have had him do, but I, I like... The best parts of this movie are obviously the conflict between them and the way this movie is kind of marketed is that it's like it is a conflict between Mm -hmm. this money hungry oil man and the lord and the preacher but that's really only like a third yeah of what happens in this movie so i would have liked maybe more of that make that more of the story yeah Catherine, what friends episode does this (laughs) remind you of are we still doing that yes we're bringing it back <laughs> there are no uh, friends episodes um, like there will be. The episode like where Joey becomes an oil baron. <laughs> <laughs> we just maybe the recast wheel becomes recast this as a friends episode. Just <laughs> <laughs> make the plot with the friends characters. Uh, we've actually already done that. That's what recast wheel was. Yeah, that's true. That was, uh, that was yeah. the first recast wheel. Right. I will say we do have though our Budfeed Buzzfeed quiz. Budfeed. Budfeed. <laughs> I found two. All right. What are we working with? In relation to Dumbo coming out. Yeah. So we are going to do a weekly Buzzfeed quiz at. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Buzzfeed quiz. Buzzfeed quiz. Buzzfeed quiz. <laughs> oh shit. Anyway, we're going to do a weekly BuzzFeed quiz uh, related to either the movie we're reviewing or something happening in the movie world. Uh, Catherine has found two related to Dumbo since Dumbo is coming out. Y'all can pick. All right. What Um, do we got? This one's kind of... Are we picking as a group, as a trio? Yes. Okay. So, uh, this is more just Disney. So, everyone has a Disney movie quote that should be their motto, here's yours. Or... 
answer these nine questions and we'll reveal which Disney elephant you are. How um, many Disney elephants are well, there? Well, now I'm from curious. Tarzan. There's the one from Dumbo, and then what are the other ones? The elephants. Dumbo's from the jun- family. Uh, the Jungle Book cartoon. Yeah. Because the elephant never forgets. The one in the beginning of Lion King that raises its trunk in Circle of Life. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a bit part in someone else's movie? <laughs> so maybe let's do the first one. Yeah. Okay. Which Disney uh, quote is the new motto of the podcast? Okay. Sure. You want to do the quote? I hope one? we get a really dark one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's do it as the motto of the pod, I think is good. All yeah. right. Who is your favorite Disney princess? Snow White, Jasmine, like, they're all. Okay. So yeah, who's your favorite Disney princess? Is it free text or do we have a choice? Is Mulan in here? choice. Oh. Uh, Mulan is not in there. What? It's Snow what? White, Jasmine, Aurora, Ariel. Who the fuck is Belle, Aurora? Uh, Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping White Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. What? White Beauty. <laughs> Ariel. Mulan has a different tone. Belle, Moana, Tiana, Rapunzel, and Cinderella. You Moana. have Moana, Tiana, and Aurora in there. You don't have fucking Mulan. They Mulan also don't have Elsa. One. Yeah, that's weird. I pick Moana. Moana. Let's Moana's do it. Fine. Moana. Okay. With with the caveat that we clearly would have picked Mulan. Yeah. What is your greatest fear? Oh, abandonment. <laughs> there is failure on there, so we're going to go failure. Failure, heights, depths, spiders, the dark, death. Failure. 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 Jesus. <laughs> hey. Returning to the therapy let... session from last week. Yeah, you know, we're young let... white men. That's what we're all afraid of. <laughs> let's definitely let her read all the choices so the viewers yeah. can hear what we're picking What's from. your Hogwarts house? Hold on. So you have your four, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, Slytherin. Okay. Then there's I don't like Harry Potter, and then I identify as multiple houses. I don't like Harry Potter. Hufflepuff. Slytherin. Ravenclaw. I don't know what I am. I identify as multiple houses. Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay. What's your zodiac sign? Pisces. Cancer. Actually, no, it's not. Aries. It's Scorpio. Um, when did we start the pod? August? August. So when's August? So it's the one after Cancer. Leo. Uh, yeah, Leo. 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 Yeah. yeah, we're Leo. Okay. Alright. Who's your favorite Disney sidekick? Olaf, Timon and Pumbaa, Mushu, Miko and Flit, Lumiere, or Pegasus? Mushu. It, yeah. I'm torn between Pegasus and Mushu. I think we're... I'm gonna... Let's say Mushu because yeah. they didn't get to do Mulan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Pick the Disney hero song that you identify the most with. Oh, man. Go the distance from Hercules. That's a front row. Hold on. Yeah. Part of your world, The Little Mermaid. I just can't wait to be King Lion King. Ooh. Belle, Beauty and the Beast. Almost there, Princess and the Frog. Or Reflection, Mulan. <laughs> I, I ain't go the distance. Go the distance. <laughs> Almost there is a hilarious name for a song. <laughs> <laughs> You want to be a hero, kid. What is the most important thing in the world to you? My family, my friends, ah, my, my career, my significant other, eh, myself, my pets. <laughs> yeah, I'm not answering that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and say pets. Pets? Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. And finally, pick a Disney meal to munch on. <laughs> beignets, <laughs> beignets from Princess and the Frog, the gray stuff from Beauty and the Beast, the cake from Sleeping Beauty. No, I'm uh, not gonna poison myself. Porridge from Mulan, Ratatouille from Ratatouille, or Grubs from Lion King. Okay, well, there's ah, only two actual yeah. meals on there. It's gotta be Ratatouille. 
Yeah. Probably. What was the first one? Beignets. I was going to say beignets. I say ratatouille. Yeah. Ratatouille. We're fancy. It's made by a mouse. All right. You got it. You don't need someone to complete you. You only need someone to accept you completely. That makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Just being the only single one in this podcast. <laughs> Perfect. New if Twitter you... bio. <laughs> if you have any suggestions for a BuzzFeed quiz we should take, or another segment, because... Our listener question this uh, this week was segments, and I don't think I got any responses. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. And if I did, I can't find them, so this is also partially on me. I was really hoping somebody like would I'm say, surprising. for a new segment, watch Halloween 3. I think that episode be fantastic. <laughs> I, like the, I like the BuzzFeed one. Oh, yeah. That's pretty fun. Let's do ratings. Uh, I think this movie is... Uh, a seven and a half. Um, oh, lower than I thought you could. Well, I really like it, but I think Tyler's points about length are... Uh, okay, I'm going to say it's an eight. Uh, I think your points about length are well taken. I think that there are choices this movie could have made that I think would push it to a nine or a ten. But Daniel Day-Lewis on his own, even if the rest of the movie completely sucked, which it doesn't, I think would make this movie a seven. So if you do that plus cinematography plus story... I think this movie's an eight. Okay, I went a little higher. Um, I think Rotten Tomatoes is like 91 mm-hmm. or so. Um, I'm going like 8.9. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't good. How en- many decimal places are we allowed to go to? It's <laughs> only one. It's only different than seven and a half, just a different number. Yeah, I just... Okay, well, here, hear me out. Okay, okay I said 8.9 because I didn't think it was good enough to give it a full nine. <laughs> But it didn't feel like an eight. It's a technical nine. Yeah. Why'd you make it an eight and a half? Why is it that an seems low. <laughs> it's somewhere in between eight and a half and nine. Okay. Um, for I didn't think I you're mean, making a mockery of our system. I don't know. If I we give have this movie a, a B. You're talking to the guy that gave a gave a movie seventeen seventy six. So we should all have wildly different rating systems. Like somebody's like, this movie is a fish for me. It's not quite a shark. It's not quite a jellyfish. It's a fish. Yeah, so 8.9. My rating scale is just, is it Jaws? (laughs) It's Jaws-ish. Oh my god. Okay, 8.9. So we have an 8, 8.9. What do you guys think? Six? Yeah, I... And I really think I would stick with that on a rewatch. I am at a six... It depends. I I might go up on a rewatch. Okay. And it on the technical issues, it depends. I feel like I'd be surprised if this movie didn't end at a seven for you. Yeah. But points well taken on what you don't like about it for sure. Yeah. Who the hell is this for? I have some thoughts. Okay. So if you like I'm stealing this exact <laughs> format from podcast. If you like Daniel Day Lewis. You have to watch Gangs of New York. Yeah. Uh, very similar character, as we alluded to before. Bow-legged, talks in arch accents, mustache. Uh, picture this character with a top hat instead of a cowboy hat, and it's basically the same. Um, and then, also, if you like uh, Daniel Lewis, I actually can't say that I have seen it, but it's Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul Thomas Anderson who directed this. 
Phantom Thread, from what I've heard, is very intense and very good. That's about, I don't know, it's like 1700s dressmaker who has like a young woman come into his life and kind of upend his world. He also, he has OCD, right? Daniel Day-Lewis? Or the character. The character. Maybe. I'm I thought sure. that was the it? character does. Daniel Day-Lewis does. That's yeah. yeah, true. He now has Daniel Day-Lewis went to get an he's OCD li- he's diagnosis. Now li- living with OCD. So those two are, are up your Daniel Day-Lewis alley. Hard to not also compare this movie to No Country for Old Men. Yeah, that's yeah. why I had that on my list. As Setting, well. timing, uh, like they were in the same Oscars race. I do think No Country for Old Men is better. I think it builds tension better. I and, have to go back and watch. Yeah. Compare, but... But it's definitely, like, main character egomaniac um, mm-hmm. in both, so... Gotcha. All That's right. solid. Um, let's see. So I also had No Country for Old Men. Um, I had The Revenant as oh. big, big landscape. Um, also, oh, uh, cinematography that focuses on the character, also around one character's determination is what we'll put that as that i can't let this go without talking about the revenant at least a little bit (laughs) (laughs) that movie is fucking bonkers with the bear fight where he could he could survive by just not saying shit to the bear the second time but he has to talk (laughs) he has to talk smack the bear heard you were talking shit okay here, here you go jeff the bear is the oil tycoons that offered him a million dollars. And he yeah. said, to hell with you. That's I'm just going to kill you. That's It's a very good comparison. <laughs> All I'm saying is that he doesn't get near as fucked up by the bear if he just leaves the bear alone. That movie is about how you shouldn't fuck with nature. That's it. That's <laughs> if you see a bear about. cub, run. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually very true. If you see a bear cub, you're fucked. Yeah, so. it's over. My other one... <laughs> why did I pick... Th- I gotta remember why I picked this one. I picked Jet Li's Fearless... Oh. Because it focuses on one guy's life and there's multiple time jumps and you see uh, how different events in his life affect the outcome at the end. So it's kind of a stretch, but... Gotcha. Format-wise. Format-wise, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've actually seen that one. It's really good. Uh, A movie that's all in subtitles because it's all in Chinese. Uh Um, A movie that when trying to read the subtitles, my dad turned the volume up on. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler, did you have any? Yep. Yeah, all right. So I'm going to say Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. Syriana. Don't know what that is. And Deepwater Horizon. They're all about oil. <laughs> if you like movies about oil, <laughs> then you're going to enjoy these three movies. Oh, my God. I remember seeing Syriana and thinking it was really good. Never seen it. I don't feel like people talk about that movie like at all. Yeah, I, I just found it on my list, Movies About Oil. God damn it. <laughs> it's got George Clooney. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's like a All Middle right. Eastern Michael Clayton. Oh, okay. He's not Middle Eastern, just takes place in the Middle East. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I should clarify. I was like, I don't think you know what descent George Clooney is. <laughs> All right, what are we doing next week? Do we want to do our Power of Nature poll? So, we've got Jaws. We've got... Twister. Anaconda. Anaconda. And a day after tomorrow. I was going to say, do you want to... Do we want to make it animals attack yeah, full? Yeah. I was going to say, because you could do nature, like, and make it disaster movies. Like climate, or you okay. can make it animal-based. I like animals. So, anaconda. <laughs> I like turtles. I like turtles. <laughs> I like turtles. 
Um, Anaconda, Jaws, Lake Placid, and let's see. Isn't there a movie Not Rampage. There is Piranha. Piranha 3D. So we have, there's a remake, there's also the original from the 70s. Uh, What about... If I have any... Godzilla? (laughs) (laughs) Snakes on a plane. Snakes on a plane. Oh, okay. All right, good call. Snakes on a plane. All right. So our four the options. Original Spider-Man we... has spiders in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could do arachnophobia. Oh shit! I like bump... I like snakes. On yeah, a... snakes yeah, on a plane. Because I don't want to bump snakes on a plane. I don't want to bump anaconda. Anaconda. Yes. <laughs> do I bump Jaws? <laughs> yeah, that's not that good. Oh fuck you! <laughs> no, we'll keep Jaws. We'll keep Jaws. Jurassic Park has animals in it. I don't know. The only thing about Jurassic Park and or Jaws is. Duncan, but if you put if I you see, put Jurassic I don't Park, think if you put Jurassic Park and Jaws with each other, I think then I think that's an equal pod. I think Snakes on a Plane is gonna die. That's what I think. Really? So yeah, too. yeah, because okay. it's so gimmicky. I don't know how to describe. Yeah. It. So Jaws, Jaws, Snakes on a Plane, Anaconda, and I'd say don't put Jurassic Lake Placid. Lake Placid. Okay, yeah, let's we're see that. Lake Placid. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been episode 28 of Who the Hell is This For? Look out next week. <laughs> what are, you, are you ever going to get a signing off right? No, I'm never going to get it. Bud feed queens! <laughs> <laughs> Look for our Power Nature poll. That'll be coming out on Tuesday, the day that this episode is out. Thank you guys for listening. Bye.